Hello, hello, baby cakes. Welcome to the Queer Conjure podcast. Queerconjure.org is queering the path towards magical liberation. We place the T at the beginning of the acronym. We become inspired by witnessing other trans and queer folk fully living their whole self and diligently care for our community using magical practices and equitable principles. I am Jasper Joy. My pronouns are they, he. I am a genderqueer witch, a tarot scholar, community chemist, Venusian writer, and elder babe. My work is defined by open-hearted ethics, neurodivergent experiences, and a blatant disrespect for the state. Please consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash queerconjure. It's because of Patreon supporters that I'm managing to get this project off the ground. If you think somebody you know would like this podcast, please do share it with them. And if you have a couple extra minutes, I would love a rating and a review. It is really crowded out here in podcast land, and I'm just getting this started. So your support makes such a difference. Blessed be. Let's start with a content notification, shall we? The Queer Conjure podcast is about queer people, trans people, witches, marginalized communities that have suffered harm. We're going to talk about that stuff. It's going to be a bit shadowy. We're also going to talk about really joyful stuff that some people might consider offensive, like disobeying the state, like having really amazing sex. So if that doesn't sound like what you want to listen to right now, I invite you to go to another podcast. And if it is something you want to listen to right now, buckle up, babies, because here we go. In today's episode, I would love to bring to you two different conversations I had the privilege of engaging in. The first conversation coming up next is between me and Ava. Ava is my business partner, my resident MOSFET, the spark of ignition for everything organized. (laughs) I just love them so much. You've heard them on the podcast before. But this is the first time you're hearing, well, it's not the first time. The first time was a conversation about broomsticks that I had to delete because the sound sucked. I'm still learning how to do this after all. First pancakes, as you know. Uh, Anyway, what am I saying? Yeah, listen to me and Ava talk about tarot and bell hooks and our queer experiences. And yeah, kind of ruminating on love and queer love. Here we go. Hi, Ava. (laughs) (laughs) My my voice sounded like that. Okay. Anyway. Hi, Ava. Hi. You sounded like a, like a kid who threw up in the middle of the night going to their parents. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ava. (laughs) You Well, I didn't, I promise. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
So we're going to do a thing. Before we do the thing, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Ava. I am a being of the queer conjure. Um, and I specialize in organizing and and facilitating the all the different things being birthed of queer conjure all the time and um yeah and and portraying them in ways that you can interact with on social media yeah. <laughs> and which is a fancy way of saying I make a lot of Instagram posts <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the ways you've put it that I've really enjoyed is conduit of organization um and yeah, you you identify as neurodivergent, am I correct? Yeah, I identify as neurodivergent. So gender queer, my pronouns are they, he, and she. Um, yeah, my brain is really good at putting things into like patterns and boxes and things, which is also very Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like our our flavors of neurodivergence work really well together because I I tend to like um, the way I do work is very much like catching clouds in a butterfly net. Like I'm really into like following the inspiration and the ideas and the big excitement and enthusiasm, um, which doesn't always make for the best organization. So <laughs> that's where you come in and I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love finding the 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 ways that the different the clouds fit into different cloud-shaped containers. Yeah. And we can show them to people that way. It's fun. I love that. <laughs> well, so we're going to do a little reading and then like a book. Let me start over. We're going to talk about bell hooks on love. And you're going to tell me what you've been thinking about when that when you've been reading that book lately. And then I'll pull a card and we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, bell hooks about love. Really, I've just been pondering the definition of love that she gives because it's so like eloquently eloqu eloquently. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, that sounds right to me, eloquent. <laughs> um, but I, she puts it in a sentence, and I just, I've just been like really pondering what that means to me and how that shows up in my life because I feel like it has so much more depth and meaning than just the sentence. But um, the sen mm -hmm. the way that she defines love is the will to extend oneself um, for the spiritual growth of the self or another, which has many mm -hmm. parts. And saying it, like I've talked about it with so many people recently, and I've had to say it twice more for them to hear it and understand mm. it, because it has like all these different aspects, which like, I feel like love is something that's so hard to define that it's like, uh, if you're not going to be able to say, oh, you know, that special little feeling. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. particularly what's been interesting me about it is how she says that abuse and neglect can't coexist with love but they can coexist with care and mm -hmm. how care and love are two completely different things mm -hmm. yeah yeah that really 
That resonates for me in relationship to the caretaking work that I've done. Like I have a history of taking care of um, adults with varying degrees of disability and with children and um, with elder people and people that are post gender affirming surgeries. Um, And it is work that I have a lot of care for, but I don't love it. (laughs) And and it's different because I'm not talking about like um, abusive standards of care. I was, you know, always really trying to act as though I loved the people that I cared for. Um, But that's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then there's the, you know, abusers are often providers. So that's what makes it another layer that makes it hard to exit a relationship that's not good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the idea, and because I think that like when I came across this, I was, I've been thinking about a lot recently. It's like, um, if you, it's just like talking about this in therapy of like, is, have you been loved? Like, do you know what that feels like? Like, what are you searching for really? Like, if you say that you're searching for love, what are you actually searching for? And it came from this driver. It's like, I had this sensation that I, I felt that I had been loved, but it was really like people cared about my needs being met and cared that I survived, Mm -hmm. which is, is not the same as, Mm -hmm the will to extend themselves and the same for me like me loving myself the will to extend myself for the spiritual growth of myself and I think that it's really I know why I was interested in talking to you about it too is because like I feel like as spiritual practitioners and as tarot readers like spiritual growth is like one of the most important things to me and I I was just Mm -hmm. like do I love everybody (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and what is it to extend oneself to in that regard? Mm-hmm. That's so funny. In middle school, I literally drew a giant heart on my three-ring binder. And inside of it, I wrote, I love everybody. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. It's yeah. So, um, so I think that there's a couple different ways of looking at that. And I'm going to talk about that and then pull the card is... I really see no other possibility than loving everything and everyone if I am to, if I'm really going to dig deep into my animist beliefs, which is that um, we are all an extension of this queer divine universal force. Um, And when I interact with another being, I'm interacting with that force that I love. But then there's this other level of like interpersonal relationships where you're not taking that animist queer quality into account. I do not love everyone. (laughs) And for me, what it feels like in my body when I love is like it sounds so campy but it's a deep 
glow, warming admiration kind of a feeling. Like not admiration, adoration. Like I just adore this person or this puppy or this cat so much. This, you know, this plant that I have a relationship with. Um, For example, like whenever I see mimosa trees, I know I love mimosa trees because I get so happy. I'm like, the mimosas are blooming, my friends. And I just like adore those pink puffy things so much. Like, um, and that is like the sensation of love for me. And then the act of love, um, I think for me, the act of love is making, making an effort for the other person to feel witnessed and understood. Yeah. Um, like they don't actually have to be a better version of themselves when I love them. They can just relax into their baseline. And that's yeah. the thing that I'll honor and witness. Yeah, and I, I'll argue that like, that's what, like that's what the, the spiritual growth is. Like that, like that, that extending oneself, like, I, and I, I will use the same, <laughs> I will keep repeating the quote, but like, when when I picture what it is to actually extend oneself, like extend one's or extend one's energy for the spiritual growth of another, it is like creating space for them to exist and grow and decide and learn on their own. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and like there's this person um on TikTok. I think their name is Rithia. I think their last name is Lee. Um, but they're a non-coercive, um, non-authoritative parent. And I, I really love everything they say, but I, a lot of what they like discuss about like raising a child is like creating this space for the kid to learn what they already know. And mm. that's what, like, I, I've been around people in, who really want to love me. And like, like, especially as a kid, like, they're like, oh, I want to care about you and I want to love you. So I'm going to like, you know make sure you don't make wrong choices, make sure you Mm. couldn't get harassed, make sure you could, you know, and like that actually makes you smaller. It makes you not trust your decisions and makes you, while their attention is like to make sure harm never happens to me, it's not, it's not creating space for me to grow spiritually because it's making sure that as long as I'm in this box, nobody can say that I'm outside of the box and therefore bad. And Uh. yeah. So I feel like like saying that, you know, like that, that this person at their baseline is somebody who is witnessed and cared for and you're allowed to be there is like, it seems so simple, but it's something that I feel like we, a lot of people avoid when they're trying to care about somebody and trying to love somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to pull a card for that. Um, so I really love reading from the little white books that come with independent tarot cards, um, tarot card decks. So that's what I'm going to do this time. Um, cause I have Charlie Claire Burgess's fifth spirit tarot and 
because they are the artist with the cards, their interpretation lends a whole lot of, basically bibliomancy to the process. Okay. Um, the Eight of Wands. So in this deck, the Eight of Wands looks like a bunch of fireworks that are attached to one lit fuse. So not, there's no ignition yet. There's just like the, the abated breath before that little spark gets to all of the fireworks and they start exploding everywhere, which I think is a really interesting way to look at that. And if we look at Burgess's words, the Eight of Wands. When the Eight of Wands appears, buckle your seatbelt. Things are about to accelerate. You've met challenges and setbacks along the way, but now the skies are wide open. This card can signal a flurry of action, significant progress toward a goal, or new opportunities and helpers that suddenly crop up to push you forward on your path. Um, and it goes on, but I'm gonna stop there because I immediately have this message coming up of, um, you know, the there's in the States, there's a lot of fucked up ideas about trans people and what rights we should have and what we should have access to and whether or not we even exist. It's like, I am standing right fucking in front of you and you want to debate whether or not I exist. <laughs> um, and there's, there's so much to be afraid of. So this, like this buckle up and get ready for this acceleration in love, because wands are very much like passion, creativity, desire. Um, and with the fireworks, like, I'm also thinking of orgasms, but not like specifically like I am having sex and I'm having an orgasm, but more of like this exalted release that can happen with love. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So I'm thinking of like a force that is passionate, that is fiery, that is an action that is strong enough to counteract all of the bullshit we're facing right now. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. I think along with that, like, uh, like specifically in this moment, like I know what comes up for me when I saw the card is like, like you said, like the, you, you said it so beautifully, but like the time between the explosion and like the ignition. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, oh, like scared. Like I thought of like something like blowing up, but then I immediately thought like, but when this goes off, it's going to be beautiful. I'll be at bad mm -hmm. for the environment, but like, <laughs> beautiful, you know? And the poor dogs, but you know, <laughs> but like you know, like it's not like a, the, uh, and I feel like that's a similar situation, like one with anti-trans legislation that's happening in the states right now. This like fear of like what's gonna happen when it goes off, but also just love in general. I I, 
I tend to be somebody who it's like, like somebody cares for me and I, I fear of like messing it up. And like the idea of like the anticipation is it might be explosive, but it's not going to be explosive in the way that you think it's going to be explosive. Mm. Beautiful and like creative and so human, you know? Yeah. I love that. Cause now I'm thinking about fireworks and chemistry and the different, the different aspects of chemistry that have to do with love. Um, like one of the reasons babies' heads smell amazing is that makes us want to hold them close. You know, that's a chemical thing. And it has, you know, it unlocks like love chemicals in our brains. Um, the same thing ha happens when we, um, I don't know, physical attraction is such a weird thing for me because I have done a lot of work of like, deprogramming basically like I'm no longer attracted to what is considered conventional beauty um so for me like the excitement of something being interesting intriguing and different is more important than something being beautiful mm -hmm. um and that's like a rewiring of the brain that I've done so that I guess that's also a chemical thing I don't know it's interesting um it's also interesting that I'm thinking about the brain so much when this is a wands, because usually brains are swords. Um, yeah, but that that like the fuse that hasn't reached the fireworks yet could also be that moment where you say to somebody for the first time, I love you, and they haven't responded yet. And that like, oh my God, I'm so vulnerable right now. <laughs> And, and yeah. like to tie it back to the quote too that opened up with like the extending of yourself to like light that match that could light this explosion you know that they could expand the spiritual growth in it mm. just like not knowing like that time in between like all the time you want to just like stamp out that that flame that you already lit um yeah but like yeah it's like Ooh, I, like as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, oh, what is there to be afraid of? And and uh, tying it back to like anti-trans legislation, it's like there's so much. There's so much like I don't even know what part of me, like how I could exist in your eyes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like like expressing just like trans love, trans joy, queer love, queer joy as an act of rebellion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 The other thing I'm thinking of is in the Pamela Coleman Smith deck, the eight of wands are just these wands in the air and they're all kind of pointing in one direction. Um, there's typically not even a person involved. Um, so this is like, yeah, like you were saying, like you can't really stomp it out 
<laughs> it's going to happen. Like you have done the thing, you have lost the control that is out in the universe, going to do what it's going to do now, going to do what it's going to do now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that also is like, fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is the risk when we extend ourselves. Um, we, you know, we can't be in control all the time when we extend ourselves. Mm. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think like, to think back to uh, spiritual practitioners mm. in general and, and, and like witches and being like a very prosecuted group for like providing this kind of guidance or insight mm-hmm. and like my you know my initial reaction to be like oh I love everyone it's like it's interesting how threatening I guess it is to love you know like uh, yeah. control because abuse and neglect can't exist with love yeah mm. that's a really good point yeah so interesting well this is cool we should do it again yeah this is fun you know i i feel like i always walk away from like talking with a tarot deck and i'm just like oh i have so much that i want to like ponder about now like it always incites so much more like like i always a reading sticks with me for so long after it happens you know Uh uh-huh yeah yeah i think you know a lot of people come to tarot for an assured sense of clarity when often the tarot just asks us questions in return. It gives us more to be intrigued by and like a deeper level. It's an invit it's an invitation to a deeper level of understanding rather than being given facts, you know, because mm-hmm. it's such a fluid queer thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's interesting too, is like um I've met a bunch of new people recently and I tell them like I read tarot and a medium and x y and z and they're like oh so you can tell the future and I was like there's you can see every future right now like there's not yeah there's not gonna be one thing that'll definitely happen and some people definitely are like oh this is gonna happen but I'm like what intrigues me more about it is the ability to guide myself to understand why I would need to know the future of this outcome in the first Mm. place Mm mm-hmm and and that's where like the growth happens you know it's not like the Mm. timeline and time in general isn't where the growth happens it's like right now the now is the only thing that exists you know so it's yeah thank you tarot yeah thank you tarot the questions in the water the questions in the smoke that's what it gives us All right, I'm gonna go relieve the babysitter. Thank you so much for talking to me about love and tarot. (laughs) Anytime. Yeah, I'm excited to keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, bye-bye. Bye, Jasper. Ava is Queer Conjure's resident moss fairy and conduit of organization, Master Virgo. Having frolicked with elements of the wild their whole life, he is particularly familiar 
with this realm and those of our non-human companions. She comes from a lineage of tarot readers and has been practicing themselves for the past three years. Ava has also practiced in multiple mediumship circles in England, channeling past loved ones and entities that encourage peace. Most of his work is guided by intuition and their close connection with their guides and ancestors. She can be found on Instagram at AvaTheRaven444 or TikTok at Ava underscore. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Raven and Crone. Raven and Crone is my personal one-stop shop for all of my witchcraft needs. Their shop specializes in high-quality products created by local magical practitioners and crafts persons. (laughs) Say that with a lisp. With an emphasis on sourcing products that are botanical, organic, ecologically conscious and affordably priced, which is great because I don't always have that much money. Raven and Crone is a witch-owned and operated old-age metaphysical pagan supply store located in the Blue Ridge Mountain town of Asheville, North Carolina. Raven and Crone is where I, Jasper, facilitate meditations and teach Tarot 101. The link is in the show notes. So the next conversation I have to share with you is between me and Kira Bo, they, them, from It's Queer Magic, formerly known as Pink Opal Magic, Kirbo is a psychic, a rainbow mirror, an open-hearted, enthusiastic nature lover. And I really appreciated this conversation that we had about what it means to be a trans-divine creation of the universe. Um, You can follow them on their YouTube channel, which I will put a link in the show notes for. And you can also consider joining the Rainbow Witches Discord, which offers you a lot of insight and community and wisdom that Kirbo is creating. All right, here we go. Got it. Hi, Kier. Hello, Jasper. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you again. It, it was such a joy last time. Do you want to reintroduce yourself since we're on a new platform? Sure. Hi, hello, welcome. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kirbo. Uh, they, them. I am a trans non-binary queer person. I'm an Afro-Indigenous person of mixed heritage. I'm a, I call myself a rainbow mirror. A rainbow mirror. Because <laughs> I'm a teacher, a diviner, a healer, um, a disperser of information, a reflector of the nuance of truth, uh, and um, super cool, awesome, Gemini stellium um, hottie. (laughs) 
You are super cool. You've also been incredibly colorful lately, like your hair and the way you have been painting your face with beautiful, vibrant makeup makes me incredibly happy. And I'm wondering if this is like an, this isn't a new thing you're doing, but is it like a phase you go through sometimes? Yeah, it's not a new thing I'm doing. I've always been um, drawn to drama and to just like expansive expression, like a little magpie, like very shiny things. Um, but it is the sort of resurgence of this being visible is coming off the heels of like a major healing of my self image of like, I went through a major friend breakup. It was like the first big breakup experience really of my entire life. Um, and so it was, it laid me really low and the tools I used to like climb back out had these, this like colorful, vibrant experience. And that's kind of always like where I find inspiration for life. It's just like what worked for me 10 minutes ago, I'm talking about 20 minutes from now, you know, like this is just how I exist for myself, how, what feels good to like live. And I get a lot of inspiration from like birds and <laughs> nature and, you know, underwater creatures and the like vibrancy of planet earth. <laughs> so it's just fun for me, you know? Yeah, color is really deep magic. I I feel like it's a part of like shape-shifting magic and glamour magic. And it also just, yeah, like you were saying, it's one of the ways to connect with the vibrancy of the planet Earth. Um, I definitely want to talk about, uh, I definitely want to talk about friendship breakups for a moment though, because those can be just as devastating as romantic relationships, but don't get as much like, Sometimes I think they're even more devastating than romantic um, breakups because as queer people and trans people, we have this special ability for creating chosen family. And a lot of times our lives depend on that. So our friendships are integral to um, our lives. Absolutely. And you know, I agree. I think that they are so much can be so much more devastating and oftentimes are more devastating than romantic breakups. And I feel like a little bit it's because of socialization and the training we get, uh, at least in America growing up, like we are taught to like expect a lot of our romantic relationships to kind of end where we're taught to like kind of expect some sort of turbulence at some point and, you know, there's a lot of like available tools and conversations and media talking about like the devastation of heartbreak in that sense. And then you kind of don't expect it, which I don't think is bad, right? I feel like going into a relationship expecting it to fail doesn't necessarily like feel good or give it the best chance at meaning something for you. But because of this like open-heartedness and like you said, our like necessity for this chosen family are like very quick, like the roots grow themselves really quick and get entangled with each other quite easily because we come at each other with like open hearts and in romantic relationships because we've been wounded so much and because of like just the information that we get from like, you know, watching Sex in the City or something that 
are just like not going in as guarded as we go into a lot of our romantic relationships. And then mm-hmm. to feel like you know somebody so deeply that you are safe together and that you've built something that's lasting and then turn around and realize it's maybe only been a year and maybe we didn't know each other as best as we did thought we did, or maybe, you know, they're just growing together has meant growing in different directions or maybe there was a conflict or whatever right all of that yeah. is so alarming I feel like in a, like a friendship relationship as opposed to a relationship one like or a excuse me a romantic relationship just because of the surprise <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I also think that there's this socialized idea that friendships are more freely given and organic and don't take as much work as other commitments might, um, which is total, totally bogus. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate you saying the open, open heartedness piece, because that is one of the things that always draws me to the work that you do. I always say that queer conjure is built upon open hearted ethics and, um, yeah, I I am just now putting together that that is like a divinely queer thing. Like if you are practicing a, if you are forming a queer tradition for yourself, it has to be open-hearted. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not following any other kind of blueprint. It has to be from that space and you can't even tell where that space is if it's closed, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you and words and the power of words. Um, So when I first met you, you were working under the name Pink Opal Magic. And now you have transitioned to It's Queer Magic. And I would love to know why and how and when and what was the inspiration. Of course. Well, Pinkable Magic came to me um, in 2020 in a time when I was tired to a level that I um, hadn't recognized before. It was the first time I had that like my spiritual burnout, my work burnout, my friendship burnout was all kind of (laughs) accumulated, (laughs) conjunct, if you will. And I went to some gathering in LA. It was like early 2020, some, or maybe even 2019. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But ultimately I was at this gathering of like witches and spiritual people, very like cis, very straight. Um, And, but there was a reader there who was doing like stone readings and they were like, I think you should, you know, engage with pink opal magic and see what, or pink opal magic, pink opal stones and see what it can do for you. And that stone really like helped me to reparent myself. It really helped me to like pour a lot of love onto like the places in me that were really malnourished for that. And um, I really wanted to take that and deliver that energy. So that, that name came from a place of like, I know that we need care and let me focus on being like a caregiver. And mm-hmm. that worked and it was great. And I'm proud of the work that I did under that name. And it really resonated for a long time. And the pink opal stone has been a part of the family forever. And then 
you know, I had been thinking about changing it. I, I kind of always knew it wasn't going to be forever. Um, along the same lines that I always knew since I was really little that I didn't have my name and that I was working and living in this world under a name that wasn't mine. And that my job, like really from very small, I was like, my whole job is to find <laughs> what it is that my name is. Um, and it's the same, like, I know that there's something, but I really struggled to like, like the name queer magic was there for a long time. And I just never was confident enough or sure enough in myself or, you know, really was really craving that sense of certainty that doesn't really exist. And I, but so I just kind of put it off forever because I felt like I couldn't be what that name would want me to be, that I wasn't like queer enough or trans enough or anything enough to like be this person, this pillar of this platform, because I felt like the name had weight. Um, and then I literally woke up just as like the day that I announced it was the day that I woke up and said, I think that we're, I think that we're doing this. I think I went to my, my life partner and business partner, Kayla, uh, KP. I was like, listen, babe, I know that this might be alarming, but we are changing the business today. <laughs> she was like, okay. She literally created the, <laughs> the branding and the logo, all of the graphics. She does everything for that, for the business. And she created it in like an hour. And that was when we were both like, it has never hit this strong. It's never been this clear. This is what I'm doing. And the interesting part is that the name came before the like vision shift. Like the name came before me deciding what that meant for me and what that meant for the work I wanted to do. And it's just like kind of popped into existence. And I literally woke up <laughs> with a wild hair at my butt and was like, we're doing it and just did it. And it was like a testament to my like work I've been doing with like trusting myself and connecting to my Sagittarius moon in opposition to my son. And it, I let that instinct kind of take away. And when I surrendered to that and said, okay, I'm going to take that name. I'm going to do it. We're just going to do it. Um, then all of the other information about what I felt really passionate about sharing about why I wanted to be doing this kind of work kind of was delivered afterwards and so the name really lets me be myself I think in a bigger way um it honors who I work with because even under pink couple magic most of my clients are queer and trans people um I actually have a lot of like newly queer people who are like hi I'm still married what do I do <laughs> uh, I have a lot of you know people that are are drawn to that like I don't know that I don't know if it feels transitional for them or if it's just like a light, but it helped me honor like who I was already working with and the ethics that I feel are rooted in my same ethics and the, I don't know, the whole point of like me being alive felt like was under that like umbrella of it, it's queer magic. This is the only reason I've survived. It's the only reason I am housed <laughs> it's the only reason that I like know myself that I have found joy in this world and it just felt like there was no other option and literally I went on just to test like I went on Instagram just to see if it was available right and I am not like super tech savvy and I make like silly tech mistakes all the time uh, and I went on there and I changed it and they were like okay great you could change it back in in two weeks if you want to change it back and I was like 
that's when I went to my partner. I was like, we're changing the business because kind of, I already did it. <laughs> and she was just like, okay. And it's been actually really great since then. Uh, I love that you just knew that it was time and that you were able to grow into who you already knew you were supposed to be. And I want to kind of touch in on this idea of being enough, like being queer enough, being trans enough, being magical enough, because that's something that I also felt for a long time. Um, and, you know, I, I experience you as one of the queerest beings on the planet. And I now experience myself as one of the queerest beings on the planet. And it's hard to imagine like thinking that word, that energy doesn't belong to us because it literally is us. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like queer magic and trans magic and queer conjuring are all a very deep in the bones, marrow kind of magic. Um, and yeah, you know, that's part of honoring who you work with. I had this bullshit phase before I created Queer Conjure where I thought, um, if I used the weird, sorry, I'm having a weird feedback, hold on. I had this idea that if I used the word queer in my business practice, it would limit high paying clients, which is this whole other transphobic, homophobic, like internalized shit that I had to work through. Um, yeah, but honoring who I work with, with that word queer and who I want to work with and who I am has been profoundly important to me too. Um, and I'm wondering about the it's in your name, like it's queer magic. I'm just wondering what, like, what is the it? It's the answer. Uh, it's queer. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's the point. It's the perspective. It's the gold. It's the destabilization. It's the revolution. It's the cure. It's the antidote. It's, it is queer magic. The answer is queer magic wherever I turn, right? Everywhere I like shift all around a 360 with the world's issues, with the it, our social like interpersonal issues with our even like a teeny tiny like unwillingness to like be in conflict with each other like small things like that it feels to me that the answer from my perspective everywhere I look is queer magic so that it's was really really important to me to for that tone that like uh I'm sure there's a grammar word for it that I don't know that I don't know, I didn't graduate from high school. So some of the grammar and stuff, I just don't know it. But that's what it gave to me. It gave me that like, I don't know, conjugation, sure. I don't know that, what that word means, but it made it the point. The point, the answer, it is queer magic. And it is, it comes from, like, like we're saying, it was really rooted in that like phase that I had as well, where it was like, if I say that like, I, I, was on, I was not afraid to say that I was a queer person, but I was afraid to say that my work was for queer people. And mm -hmm. I still don't like, it's not only for queer people, that's not you know what I'm doing. But 
that unwillingness to like close myself off to what seemed like where the money was, what it seemed mm-hmm. like what people cared about or the kind of people that cared about spirituality. And all of that was just because I had a narrow, quite frankly, specifically a narrow like online experience. It's really easy to forget that like the people you follow on Instagram are not the whole world or even the whole county or even your whole community. <laughs> and yeah. you start to get a little clouded about what's real and what's not real. And that like struggle to say, no, like this is queer magic and I don't really care where you feel like it came from or you feel like it came from. Ultimately, I know where it came from for me and I'm not like unwilling to look at history (laughs) and no, nothing that I find in the history is going to like ruin me or crush me because I understand that it is just not a black and white story. And to to get to that place of confidence and and comfortability, like I don't want people to listen to this and hear me go like, I just knew and think that they're just gonna know. That's the thing is that so many of us are like, yeah, all you have to do is like shift your mind and it's just like a brain story. And you know, sometimes when you know, you know, but that really like negates the like, you know, 10, 12 years you spent trying to figure it out and, and, and boiling it down, like really distilling it down to this moment where it's just going to happen in a moment. And it did happen in a moment. It felt like it happened in a moment, but when you think about it and you look at it and I looked at it, it was like, this did not happen in a moment. It was all of these years of identity work, of comfortability, of lover's work. I mean, I'm still in my personal lover's devil year, so fun but I'm at the end of it <laughs> but it, it was all of this like suffering and the the confusion and the cloudiness was absolutely there I'm not like some non-human person who just doesn't deal with doubt <laughs> or doesn't deal with struggle or doesn't deal with unsurety and feeling stuck and feeling lost but I, because of all the work that I did when the moment came to me and it felt so strong it was like it only happened because that was the time I didn't deny it. And so the it does feel like a declaration of like reclamation and just an acceptance of the parts of myself that I felt maybe were a little unlovable or a little not natural or a little not normal. And, you know, when you start to rebuke the idea that normalcy is like a goal you start to yes. uncover some more beautiful things about yourself <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely <sighs> there's so much beautifulness that I want to respond to there but can we let people know what a lover's double year means absolutely so um there is a method and I I think think I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure the method was maybe coined or maybe just spread by Rachel Pollack but I'm not positive but it's the um math equation to find out what tarot card right is ruling your year so you can take your birthday with the year that it actually is add all the numbers together and when you get to a number under like 21 um, or you can go even further down to just a single digit you get the year so my year from May 22nd, 2022, 2023, 2022, 2022, was the lover or the devil and then reduced down to the lovers. So 
I'm having a year until my birthday, until May this year, when it will change to another year of this time in my life being ruled by the lover's card and the devil's card, the devil card, which are, you know, two sides of the same card from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I have a practice of working with soul cards. So that is like the day that you were born and mine is the lovers. And then I'm working within a magician's year. And I feel like that has a very similar energy to like a double lover's year. Um, Cause I feel like the magician and the devil can be sibling cards as well in some ways. Um, Cause like the, you know, our tools can liberate us and our tools can trap us. And that's kind of where I see the devil and the magician playing together. Um, yeah, so thanks for bringing that up. I might put a link in the show notes, link in the show notes about that. So people can look up their own year if they want to. It's super so, very yeah. And I think it was Rachel Pollock who started that. And I also know that in some Pythagorean numerology, there's another like soul number and year number and things like that. Um, I'm wondering if like as a queer trans person of color, what your experience has been with like white European centric turfy magic? Um, Cause I, I have a whole story about that, but I'm sure you might too. So I wanted to ask. I am, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I started this journey my entire, like I, so I'm Afro-Indigenous, right? I'm mixed. I am European and African ancestors and indigenous to the Turtle Island Choctaw people. And I was raised in a like indigenous community. I was not, I didn't like live on the reservation, but I was involved with the Southern California Indian Center. My mom was heavily involved and we were, you know, I had an indigenous worldview until a certain age when it was <laughs> turned to be a Mormon worldview, uh, or not turned to be attempted. Uh, it didn't, it didn't work. But so like, I had this like earth-based perspective. And then when I was older and getting into like witchcraft and like Wicca and stuff, I was like, cool, this is, this is similar to like what I think about God and what I think about the planet. And maybe these people are going to get me. Right. And then, <laughs> and then you get there <laughs> to these groups of people who are, you know, I always say like, I honor Wicca for showing me, for being like a portal, right? A doorway for me. It was not where I wanted to live. It's not what I resonate with now. I realized that they were in a lot of ways re-teaching me the tools that were stolen from my people that they couldn't teach me. You know what I'm saying? So a little of that energy, but the people there were like, they're just, it was just so easy for them to dismiss my perspective because like, it wasn't what like Stephen Farmer said or like Gerald Gardner said. And even to this day, like I know a lot of people, I have a lot of clients around the world and some people in like the UK who have just moved there and trying to like make friends. And there's still this like heavy, obviously they're like literally in Britain, <laughs> this heavy like Eurocentric idea and the harm that can be caused, the like 
ostracization that can be caused just from the perspective of this is ours, this belongs to us. And because I've been doing this for 20 years, I refuse to shift my perspective. Like it's hard to unlearn and so I won't, or it's hard to continue to expand and so I won't, has absolutely burned me and like cut me out of communities I thought were going to be supportive for me. And not even in the way that I was like aggressively harmed because I'm very well protected. <laughs> and so I get a vibe and something goes wrong and I leave and it's like, I missed the bad part. But these communities that I was so excited to be a part of, like just teaching blatantly like racist ideas, like just the idea that there's no black in nature, like the color black, like actual black doesn't exist in nature. It's just like rooted in like a falsity, right? That is just flat, not true. <laughs> and kind of using that to be like, what your people did is evil. What your people did is bad. Like that's not real stuff. That's garbage. And I'm like, you literally just took it and repackaged it, but like, okay. So I haven't been like harmed in any like physical way or any like way that I can pinpoint to like, this is an incident that I have a problem with. I'm gonna go talk to these people, but mostly just like bouncing around from group to group and, you know, like metaphysical shop, metaphysical shop, realizing that none of this has a spot for me. Um, and while I'm sure that's hurt a lot of people, I'm really grateful because I, have a natural magnetism, I have a natural charisma, I have a natural sense of leadership. And if I'm with the wrong people and I get like, I'm not like rooted in what I really think and rooted in my sense of the truth, you know, I speak well and I will make, a, I just didn't want to get, I didn't want to get tangled up in something that I didn't believe in and then really, really like delivering it and pushing it to other people because I am literally ruled by Mercury. I'm gonna <laughs> disperse the information. And so I'm grateful that I didn't stick around. I'm grateful that I was never like, it never fooled me to the point where I initiated into a coven or something of like practices that would have been actively against what I know now is my, my morals and my sense of the point of all of this. <laughs> Not that I think that like all Wiccans are bad people. I, I don't think that that's a possibility, but I, for myself and what I've actually engaged with for the most part, I'm just like unfollow, scroll away. Like I, you're not my client, you know, we're in, we're in here. You're saying things that I'm going to deliver my perspective and you don't like it. You don't want it. You won't come back. And that's perfectly good for both of us, you know? So as I've, gotten older and been doing this longer like it just is something I'm easily like I can either we can either have a conversation about this and we can open our minds together or you're gonna have to like move on and I'm gonna move on and that's just gonna be the way it is yeah uh, I I think that Wicca was this portal for a lot of queers um and at one point it felt like the only the only entryway into magic. Um, I actually come from a very heavy Wiccan background and I was um, like, I was basically the acolyte of a Wiccan temple for over a decade. And it was the most transphobic experience of my life, the most racist experience of my life. <laughs> and I had to leave all of my Wiccan, everything I learned during that time, 
hate tarot. I had to leave it behind for a while and become like a raging atheist. Um, and I say raging because that's the energy I had behind it. I know not all atheists are raging, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but lately, I've been wondering, like, what about the pieces of Wicca that? do you feel really nostalgic to me? What about the parts that I actually do still believe? And I'm actually thinking about going to seminary school for a while. I'm like, I, you know, I am a deeply spiritual practitioner, but I don't belong to like an organized religion, which is what Wicca is. So like when I become a reverend, what am I a reverend of? <laughs> How do I name that thing? And I want to be like, I am the reverend queer witch, you know, and just like, it's an interfaith seminary. So I just want to like bring that in there and challenge them to accept that because they're like diversity, interfaith, everyone's welcome. I'm like, ha let's see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing this thing lately where, I don't know where I put it. I've been doing this thing lately where I have like a journal prompt of the month, a queer affirmation of the month, a trans affirmation of the month. And for March, my trans affirmation of the month is um, we are divine creations of the universe. All trans people are divine creations of the universe. I'm getting a little choked up because um, I was actually listening to some interviews from like politicians in Uganda who were like saying that it is like illegal times three to be a practicing homosexual. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is shit from the eighties. Like we're here again for real. And like, it's not just Uganda, the States are riddled with these like bullshit anti-trans laws right now and they keep calling us like child groomers of like demonic ways of being and I'm like bro it doesn't work like that first of all <laughs> um but we're here again we're still we're still like this is a weird feedback loop that we've been stuck in but a friend of mine, Eli, um, who goes by the name The Gender Doula, recently wrote in his newsletter that trans people have never been passive victims of history. And I feel like those two messages, trans people have never been passive victims of history and trans people are divine creations of the universe need to go hand in hand. And I was just wondering, how are you experiencing all of that complexity right now? It is a, definitely a trip. <laughs> um, I, you know, my partner and I have been ha reading more. I, I mean, I really think it's valuable to like look at American history from wider perspectives and look at other books written by other marginalizations, but also literally going back and reading what those like politicians of the time were actually saying, what the, what the religious people of the time were actually saying. And you will find that they were telling the truth about what they were doing the whole time. They have been very honest about how they are lying to people, how they are scapegoating people, how they are, what their tools for colonizing the rest of 
the United States, like before it was the United States. And for me, like the finding out some of these like deeper truths of how communities were living, how even like literal Christian people back when they were like, I love Jesus. And so I'm going to like do what Jesus said, as opposed to just like <laughs> wiling out in whatever way I'm going to label Christianity, you know? Um, and thinking about this, you know, with the thing that united us all, right? The thing that we, we have all different experiences and we've all been at different like places of marginalization, but the, tr- the one like core truth is that the majority of people post colonization or during colonization in the Americas, the majority of people across the board were suffering, right? Across the board, there was no food, right? We were not. And so they, they really like pitted us against each other in ways that were got sanctioned by the government. And so reading about some of this stuff has given me the like sense of reality and the tool to like kind of peel up the message underneath what they're actually saying. And I don't think that like the transphobia is fake, right? I don't think that people enacting transphobic violence are like not, don't actually dislike trans people. I just think that they've been lied to. I think that we've all been lied to. And there are different like intersections of people that have seen portions of the lie. And the unfortunate part is that the transgender anti-trans agenda is something that is across a lot of other identity lines, right? It can't, because they're struggling to continue to pit black people and white people against each other. They're struggling continually to pit Asian people and black people and indigenous people and black people. And they're struggling to hold those lines, those lines that they drew between who we are and where we come from, especially on the, along the like black indigenous Mexican line that is just like not a line. And I feel like for me, being able to see that like the tools that they're using are old tools, which means we have experience with the tools. And as a trans person and as a queer person, as a person who, shouldn't exist, right? According to, I, I come from indigenous, like I'm, I'm mixed, like my people are Appalachian and come from being enslaved and like all of this, right? I shouldn't exist. They don't want me to exist. And for me, realizing that like those lines are so blurred that I am always going to be able to discover something that is a, close to my experience today in history because we are literally on a rabbit hamster wheel going over and over and over again with the same tactics. And my biggest hope and my biggest like sense of faith in this in our future is that same truth that we've never been passive, right? We've not, we're not going to, because so many of us are like, it's either this or I don't wanna be here. It's either live as my version of myself or I don't wanna be here. And so the stakes are somehow as high as they've ever been, but also, so many people of, of a queer and trans identity have already lost so much that they're like, I am just gonna fight for this. I'm gonna exist, right? And knowing that like that is, there is a, a thread of that resistance through all of our bloodlines. We all have trans people in our bloodlines. That is just the fact. We all have queer people in our bloodlines. That is just a fact. And to go back through history of all these things that we have been lied to about, 
it just helps me feel more and more purposeful and more um, natural and more supported in my effort to be visible and to speak the truth and to reject that idea that most people want some sort of violent situation. And the reality is that most just people don't want anyone to like actually be being actively murdered. Most people are actually good people. And that's so hard to believe these days because of our media experience. They want us to actively fear our neighbor. They want us to actively think that the community, the neighborhood is where you're unsafe. And just like under, like looking more about into history, looking more into science and the history of science. Like I'm not anti-science, but at the same time, y'all are just writing down anything you want to write down and calling it science. Like I cannot with that. And the tools of oppression have all been rooted in the same thing. They lie. The people in power lie. They've been lying. That's their only tool. And I, for me, like knowing that I come from a varied ancestry. You know, I have very racist people in my family. I have very dark-skinned people in my family. I have very everything, everything. I'm fully mixed. But to know that that means that I have a foot in all of these worlds and that in this life I am expressed in a way that is a blend and a neither and a both, like, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm a little bit losing myself in my point, but the point is that, like, that is what fuels me to understand myself as natural. And that what feel, that's what fuels me to know that no matter what the end result is, that the path that I take as a visible trans person, as a visible queer person, as somebody speaking about the old tools, as somebody talking about breaking beyond these like the, the lies and the limitations that the lies put on us, like makes me feel like I am like fully planted in my like trans legacy from the past and into the future, that this is what we do. It's always been what we have done. And from the very beginning, we've been all over the planet and we're reflected in nature as well outside of our species. And the arguments against trans people boil down to, I don't get it and I don't want to. And I feel like that's compatible. If we, once we realize that we are all suffering in a very similar way and the the lines between us are so much more blurred than they want us to think and that we could all actually live super good and super great. I don't know. I feel like that is what that makes me feel like the, the idea or the, just the phrase that like we've never been passive, like victims to history. Like that's, I feel like that's what, make, that was, excuse me, that's what it makes me feel that I am standing full, fully grounded in the legacy of trans people throughout all of my cultures and the places that my people come from and into the future. I think that there's, I feel like there's no, there's no other way that I'd rather live. And so it becomes less complicated for me because it is pretty clear. Like it doesn't feel like a tangled web. It feels like they want me to think it's a tangled web and they want me to be confused and they want me to not know where I belong. And that's just, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Um, <laughs> I just don't, I'm not into that anymore. And 
I think that if we are supposed to get free in order to free other people, it begins with it begins with finding your footing, finding your root system and your active like family that is alive right now might want to deny the fact that there are more trans and queer and neurodivergent people in your line than they thought. But the truth is, is when you when you look beyond, even beyond like actual names and genealogy, because a lot of that is lost. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you know you exist, you know you've been here and that you've been in the past and that you'll be in the future. And I don't fear a world in which trans people are eradicated because I know that we are born every single day. It's not possible. I don't fear a world where trans people can be eradicated eradicated because we're born every day. That is like the most fucking hopeful, wonderful, beautiful thing I've ever heard. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, I feel like I have so many questions and feedback and like praise be, hail and welcome to what you just said. Um, yeah, I this I, I also just want to reaffirm that science can be a lie, science can be racist. And also there are things I fucking love about science, you know? Um, like when we get down to like, what, what do we call our rocks? What are they made out of? What fish do, what plants do, what lizards do, like what the skies are doing, all of that is so beautiful. But when we start getting into like fucking like, science of BMIs and science of, you know, fucking eugenics, all the bullshit. Um, I wanna wrap up by asking you, how do you experience gender? Like in your body, in your magic? I experience gender in a fully, in full color and colors I can't see you know, in the reality that like everywhere I look is a rainbow, right? Everywhere we look, all the light we see is a rainbow. And just because we can't like actively see it all the time doesn't mean it's not present. That's for me what it feels like to have a, a gender experience that is, I almost feel like it's more than human. And I am not the kind of person that would maybe suffer if like we eradicated gender altogether, you know? I know that there are people that would suffer and that's not like my goal or perspective, but I, it, it actually has so little to do with my experience and, and more to do with how I am perceived and what kind of boxes are put onto me that I reject because my goal is freedom always. And freedom in gender for me means you don't get to take my inherent masculinity away from me. And you don't get to decide that my inherent masculinity being a little bit effeminate is not appropriate or not natural or not holy. I experience gender as like the clouds like moving in front of the sun, right? Sometimes it's one way and then the light shifts and it's something else. And I am at my core, a shapeshifter. And 
that's why like I like just calling myself a non-binary trans person because I'm about to transverse every single line <laughs> and it's not about one journey for me it's about walking back back and forth it's about both and it's about having and I don't necessarily I mean I do resonate with the two-spirit idea especially because like a pan-indigenous like we're kind of putting us all in this thing because we don't have this language still um but I I, I just like my spirit is barely contained by my body and it, maybe it's not going to be contained by gender that's just the truth like I'm barely holding on to the vessel here <laughs> and I, it's not gonna I'm not gonna force myself to ex exist in a way that is against my grain and unfortunately for the rest of the world or maybe fortunately I don't know that like those that like cute binary of gender just kind of isn't doesn't apply to me <laughs> and, and also doesn't really affect me and I have found freedom inside of that inside of this body and acceptance and love inside of this body when I took that framework away from away from me it was like a a cage I didn't fit in and I almost am less interested in the label of like this is me being masculine this is me being feminine this is this is my blend today this is my blend tomorrow and more interested in just making sure I feel fully expressed no matter what it looks like or what it sounds like that's I think how I experience gender it's fucking gorgeous I love that it reminds me of so speaking of friendships and the work they take. Um, one of the practices I have is friendship check-ins. So I will text all of my friends a question or send them a song a few times a week. And at one point I was texting all of my friends, like, if you were a shapeshifter, what would you look like? And everybody was like, bitch, I am a shapeshifter. <laughs> like, I am a queer person. I am, I am a fucking shapeshifter. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> But I loved that everybody had that. They were like, I am transgressing every day. Like <laughs> I am in, I am experiencing the shape shifting of life all the time. Like this isn't a thing that I think I might be. And I was just like, oh, I love my friends so much. <laughs> so beautiful. I mean, when you think about like our experience or my, my perspective of like spirit and deities, and I just feel like so many people are, um, haven't been people this whole time or every lifetime and like it, say I was like I don't know say you were like Loki having a fun cute round who are the rest of us or anyone or you yourself to say like actually you're gonna need to be this big only sorry like that's not like I'm sorry <laughs> if me if I am made of the same god stuff as the gods that we literally like praise and engage with then I'm not going to put limitations on me that I wouldn't put on them I'm a literal ghosty in a flesh suit like I'm going to do whatever I want <laughs> you're a fabulous ghosty by the way and I really appreciate you walking around in your flesh suit I'm really glad that we have crossed paths and that we're engaging in this work together in our own unique ways and yeah, before we sign off, do you want to let people know how they can find you and engage with your work? Yeah, I am like jumping two feet into my like YouTube channel at It's Queer Magic. 
Um, and it started off as a little bit of like a one-on-one, but I'm kind of going to bail on that idea because not the idea, but the phrasing, because I don't necessarily feel like I need to teach everything, but I just want to offer ideas, perspectives, uh, some, you know, initiatory tools to begin the journey. I just want to have that spiritual support out there in the world for free. Um, you can work with me one-on-one. I'm a psychic medium. If you want to meet your spirit guide, we could do that. If you want to talk to an ancestor, we could do that. You know, whatever. If you have a question, we could do that. I have an amazing, like makes me want to tear up every day, uh, Patreon discord, the rainbow witches. Um, and we have an amazing time. And that's also a really low cost uh, way to engage with my work. It's like, I think the lowest price is like literally $5. And that comes with 20 minutes with me a month. Like you can get an office hour mini reading. Um, just because we're in there making community. So, you know, the money covers, you know, the tools that we use and it's just kind of getting together. So you can find me on Instagram and YouTube and my website, squaremagic.com. And um, in your dreams, just call out for me, knock three times on the door and I'll see. <laughs> Fabulous. I love that so much. I will put all of those links in the show notes so everybody can further discover how amazing you are. And yeah, just again, I'm so grateful that you are here, you are being who you are being, and that we got to talk again. Yes, thank you so much. I know I talk at with every question, but I appreciate your being here with me. <laughs> I will listen to you all day, every day. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, Kier. Perfect. Have a good one. something to tell you. I am a book nerd (laughs) and a bit of an anarchist. You might have noticed already, and that is why I am so deeply honored to be an affiliate of Firestorm Books. Firestorm Books is a collectively owned radical bookstore and community event space in Asheville, North Carolina. Since 2008, Firestorm Books has supported grassroots movements in Southern Appalachia while developing a workplace on the basis of cooperation, empowerment, and equity. If you go to queerconjure.org and on the upper menu bar, there's a link labeled books. You just click that link to browse a list of my Jasper favorite books. Anything you purchase through that link will return 10% back to me to support the creation of this podcast. So say you buy a book for $30, Firestorm sends me $3. Firestorm's mission is to demonstrate the feasibility and desirability of a workplace based on free cooperation. They seek to sustain and nourish their collective through fulfilling work, personal empowerment, and equitable compensation while providing a hub for anarchist thought and culture in WNW.
C. Whew, all right. What a beautiful episode this turned out to be. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this. Your support totally matters. Like I said, please rate us, write a review. You can find us on Instagram at Queer Conjure. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Queer Conjure. And yeah, please check out my one-on-one offerings on the website, queerconjure.org. We also have tarot workbooks available in our shop. And check out my next free tarot one-on-one class at Raven and Crone. I love you so much, queer witches. Blessed be. Mwah.